All right, guys, go ahead and take a seat. Thanks, Ian and crew, for leading us there. Oh, and now the now the AC turns off. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Hey, you guys doing all right? Yeah. Good looking group here. Man, um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to First Peter chapter two. Um, gonna do our charge here tonight a little bit from from that. I was just kind of talking with the different resource leaders and small group leaders over this last month as we've been on campus for for about a month. I mean, Captain Welcome Week, we're, you know, here we're four weeks in, and, and uh, you know, I just, want, I just want you guys to know how proud we are of you guys. Um, you guys have just been doing an awesome job going out there, you know, making it happen, trying to meet people, and, and when, we, when we talk about our ministry, I, I don't care, I, I, how do I say this correctly? I don't care about the numbers um, that are at large group nearly as much as I care about the numbers that are right here. And I don't care so much about what we can get for an attraction, for an event, or an activity, or a thing, as much as how many of you are, are learning to be disciple makers. Because at the end of the day, the, the other things are, are reactions and I don't want to highlight large group as a sense of that per se, other than you know, large group serves you guys in helping create those convictions for your people. But but in the sense of like, how do we define success? Defining success is, are we doing a good job equipping this campus to have witnesses on it? And you guys are, the, and everything that we do is through the lens of saying, are we doing a good job helping you guys? And particularly in the area of, of fighting for our campus, learning, you know, the skills of how to pursue after people and sacrifice for people and relationally learn to begin the minister, the minister of people. Uh, oftentimes you don't even love the Lord, don't have any interest in God, and then you meet them, you know, somebody that, that just is on campus looking for a friend, and, and watching you guys pursue people this last month has just been so much fun. And so, you know, I, I've been asking resource leaders, like, you know, things going on and, and talking with you guys over this last month. And, you know, we just we just want you guys to know, like, you're doing a good job. And I know that uh, sometimes, you know, the external metrics of success, sometimes you're there. Sometimes, you know, you're, you're just like, man, it's not happening. I met, like, you know, eight atheists, and I'm trying to figure out how do I create community there. I get that. <laughs> and I get, you know, I, I totally get that. But, like... And those things are important. The external metrics of success help us inform us on like how we're doing internally. But I'm far more concerned that you're like stepping out and and learning to to strive and to fight. Because at the end of the day, I think that's the thing that that Jesus is going to be so honored by, and so is so loved by in your life is is when he sees you striving and trying and saying, Hey, can I help you with that? And doing it with you. And so, you know, I, I know Ryan uh, went to the, the Civil War game and the, the showdown. I'm going to go again. I'm going to go again. 
call it in Oregon, but I forget how to talk The showdown. And like, well, you, didn't have, well, you didn't even have a ticket, right? You didn't even have a ticket. You just, your guy had his car break down halfway down. So he found out about it, drove down, picked his guy up, and off I-25, drove him to the game, and then drove home because he didn't have a ticket, right? Or Casto. But Casto, I think you were up at like, what, 4.30 in the morning the other day, right? Like, trying to, because trying to, apparently his guy loves like waking up in the morning to like see the sunrise. It's very romantic. And, and like, so, it was. Except that apparently Castle cared more about seeing this guy than this guy cared about seeing the sunrise, so Castle was waiting around for about an hour to, before this guy actually woke up. But he was there. He was waiting. And, you know, I think, you know, that Hannah, Hannah, I think, stayed after, you know, a volleyball game just to try to get one girl's number, even though she didn't want to be there. And, like, I've, I keep hearing about you guys reaching out to students in your classrooms and get around the dorms and take people to Walmart or, you know, and so, so we just want to say, hey, good job, guys. Way to go. Um, now, I want to ask the question, what do we do? Because we're kind of in this moment where we have been fighting for them, you know, in a, in a physical sense, we've been fighting to, to get them into a place of relationship with us. We've been pursuing them in space and time, but like, how do we transition that into a season where we're starting to kind of shift more into like, you know, how do we take these guys or these gals that we've got and start pursuing the kingdom of God in their life, right? And and there's there's kind of three core values that we have in our ministry. Like, there's there's brotherhood or sisterhood, whatever the context be, um, responsibility, and a personal relationship with Jesus. And so we are in this season, and we understand, like, all three of those are always there. We're always trying to highlight those. You guys personally are in, like, like the heaviest, like, responsibility emphasis of the whole year as you're walking into, like, building small groups, understanding that if you don't have a Devo life, that's yeah. going to be really, really rough, right? But, but as a ministry, we kind of have these seasons of emphasis. And, and your emphasis for you guys this last month has been, like, I'm trying to find these guys and fight for them. I'm trying to build, maybe not even always brotherhood, some of them you know, in the, in the kingdom perspective of things, but friendship at least, and, and maybe brotherhood with the ones that are there already with you. But you've been fighting for that. Now, how do we get those guys to, to walk with us into real brotherhood, into a, a real relationship with God, into, into really feeding them and ministering to them? Because we're in this moment of and I know that for some of you, maybe you're you're already there. Some of you, not you're still trying to find people and fight for them. And I totally get that. But we are kind of in that moment as a group, like shifting our mindset a little bit from how do I get people around my life to how do I get Jesus into theirs. And and so I want to just kind of talk about that for just a little bit tonight. Um, you know, certainly I don't have. <laughs> All the answers on on that question, and uh, we're yeah. you know there's two humble nates when you guys do that there's two there's one there's two there's one when I say something that could sound arrogant and there's one when it sounds like I'm I'm trying to be humble so either way I'm I'm screwed it's, it's gonna be humble nate either way so. Thank <laughs> you. 
I totally softball pitched you guys a large group. I don't know if you guys caught like I totally softball pitched it like two weeks ago at large group, and you guys, you did not, you did not miss, man. It was, in the beginning there, I can't remember what I said, but I was just like, this is gonna be so easy. Watch this. I, like in my head, I'm like, watch this. It's about to happen. Like, like the whole group. It was like 60 of you all at once. Like, so. praise. Okay. So how how do we? Here's my question. How do we create value where there is none? How do we create desire when people don't have them? How do you instill the convictions for the kingdom of God to those who have convictions that are in opposition to Him? And how do we walk with people through that? And so I was I was looking at First Peter. Thought you know. He's a great guy to kind of work from here tonight for just a little bit. And then we're going to get into some group discussion, and we're going to have some uh, talk prayer and lots of announcements and all kinds of stuff, too. But for the next few minutes here, I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And in verse 16, I've got a real brief little verse here, and I'm not going too far into like the context here. I will here in a few minutes. But he says in verse 16, Act as free men... And do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. So, when I was, what I see about this is here's Peter, and he is trying to charge the church, he's addressing the community. And, and his context here, you can actually see if you go backwards. Now, thinking from that lens, we kind of go back to the start of this chapter and kind of see a little bit bigger, like, his, his perspective here. But in verse 9, he says, but you are a chosen race. Talking to the church. This is who you are. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he kind of goes from there, and now he goes from that perspective. From this, now act out that. From this understanding that he has drawn you out of darkness into light, act these things out. And he starts going to like you know ideas of spiritual authority and all these different areas, roles of, of genders, all these different things that happen. But it's all from this perspective. This is who we are. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy, we are a people devoted, set apart unto God. And from that identity, from that place, we need to start acting out that light. And this is how we express that light into the world. And so he kind of goes into these four things. Um, the first one is, is proclaiming the excellencies of him who has called you. Okay, sorry. Honor all people. And, and he goes, okay, for everybody. When... When uh, people have been talking to me about missions in the Middle East, and I think this concept has come from a group called 3DM, if you ever heard of them, but, but I heard it through the lens of, of uh, missionaries in the Middle East working with Muslims. But they said, if someone, if a Muslim is going to come to the Lord, and you guys have heard me say this before, you know when you hear these, like, these contexts or concepts that just like 
they suddenly a bunch of things that have been in your head just kind of like sink. Like it's like okay, that gives me a framework of, of what's been I've been thinking through or wrestling through. And and they said for a Muslim to come to the Lord, there's kind of three things. And you may have heard me say this before, but like they, they found that they need a love encounter, a truth encounter, and a power encounter. That they need to like experience the love of Christ in someone else from that or, or I asked them like what's the progression? They said we don't know. It, it can be all over the place. But but most often we probably experience like they experience the love of God in us that leads to a truth encounter from us that opens them up to a power encounter with God. And so they, these three things, you find, they say, you have to have all three. If you have two and not the third, it doesn't work. You have to have all three of these before they get to that place of truly like bending their knee before the Lord. And I was thinking that's, that's way more than just Muslims. That's, I think, most of the students at CSU, I would say, probably have, have experienced much of that if they've come from a, a drastic change in their, in their worldview, have gone through that. But I was thinking about Chris Hewitt this today when I was trying to think of what I was going to say, what I was talking about. And almost, yeah, one person, because nobody else knows who this guy is. So, yeah, Zach. Give it up for Zach. Yeah. Faithful. Faithful Zach. So, so we, there's this guy, the first day we got on campus, we got on the plaza, and there was this guy that we met named Chris Hewitt. And Chris Hewitt met Mikey Stewart. Um, Mikey was, was basically our first student in the ministry. He was a Christian kid who had moved from a Bible college, came to CSU, said, I felt like the Lord told me I was supposed to start Chi Alpha here, showed up two days before school started and found out that we were about to pioneer Chi Alpha. I was like, can I join? Yes. So Mikey came up on this. Now, there's an application process. It'll take a couple of weeks. But so... Yeah, come on, dude. So he get on campus. Mikey meets Chris Hewitt by because in the middle of the plaza they were having like uh, sumo suits. You know, back you know ten years ago that was like a big thing. Everybody was like, hey, let's let me see what. It is. So we like to be a sumo, right? So sumo suits. They meet each other because Mikey, you know, does this with Chris Hewitt randomly. Gets a sign, and and they strike up a conversation. Uh, they become best of friends. That year was a strange one. It was such an interesting one. There's, there's always stories you kind of default to. It's just like, and it's just such epitomizes concepts for you. And Chris was one because he came from California, came to CSU, in his own words, to live life to the fullest, which meant snowboarding on the weekends, um, partying on the weekdays, making it to class if he was sober enough to get himself there, and living life. That was, that was life. That was living life to the fullest. And he met Mikey, and he met these guys. He was in Josh Nicholas's uh, small group community. And, and I remember having, co- I, I had this one conversation I'll never forget, sitting with Josh Nicholas in, at Wild Boar, outside, uh, just on the tables outside of Wild Boar, looking at Josh as he says, can I kick him out? Like, literally. He's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with him. He comes to our weekly meeting and he's disruptive if he's not just falling asleep on the side. Like, this guy wants nothing to do with Jesus. He just is like, I don't know what to do. And we had this conversation and I, I said, you know, we talked through it. It's like, no, if he's coming around, he's, you know, he's not, he's okay with Jesus being around. He has no desire for Jesus, but he's okay with Jesus being around. He's, he's there, like, just stay with him. And 
And about a month later, uh, Christmas break hit. We, he went home to California, and Josh started getting these weird texts from him saying things like, why are you guys so different? Like, nothing had ever penetrated. He was asleep during any meetings. He never wanted to do anything about talking about Jesus, but he loved this group. And, and Josh was confused. I remember driving with him just one random day over Christmas break, and Josh was like, I got another of those texts from Chris. <coughs> What's going on? And and turned out what was happening behind the scenes, we find out later, is he went home, saw his old friends, his core friends, because we had become his friends, even though um, he had other party friends and all that kind of thing. But, but he went back to his old world, and he suddenly realized the contrast. And it was so stark. He couldn't, he couldn't just ignore it. It was so stark. He started saying, what is going on? And so he came back fully. He started asking real questions. He started actually really engaging. And it was, I think it was maybe the second or third uh, large group of the spring semester. I don't even know. It was one of those things where God was totally doing something totally different than what you were doing. Like, I think I preached on something that had nothing to do with, like, experiencing God at all. I mean, in the, in the sense of love Jesus, but in the sense of, like, he was in the back praying with Josh Nicholas and just had this, like, experience with God that he said it just it shook him. It scared him, actually, because it was so powerful, the reality of God's presence that just fell on him. And it was about a week later in the living room with a bunch of the guys that had, he had just befriended in their living room on their floor while they just laid hands on him, surrounding him, and he just gave his life to the Lord. Came a small group later, did the internship. He's now on the fire department here in, in Fort Collins. But, but I was thinking about that. It's like, how do we get people to a place of actually having the passion of the Lord, actually loving Jesus when they don't? Because, because if we if we know that, walking with those who do already have an interest in Jesus is sort of intuitive or already want Jesus. But our campus overall doesn't necessarily love Jesus. If we're just trying to reach like the Christian student or the prodigal, I mean, that's one thing. But what about that guy who has, has no history with God and doesn't want any and no interest in God? Like, How do we get them to the place? How do we create an environment that gives them a context to experience that love encounter and that truth encounter and that power encounter? that leads them to that place of bending their knee. What does that look like? And so here's here's Peter, and I think he's given us a little insight into how we express community to one another and to our world as, as a community. Because he first says, just honor everyone. <laughs> honor everybody. Um, I love Chesterton's statement that he says, the world works in a certain way when it comes to love. It says it looks for something lovely and then it loves that thing. It looks for something intrinsically lovely to love and gives affection to it. And so, you know, whatever, the guy the guy sees a pretty girl, says, hey, you're lovely, I could love you, whatever. Get married, off you go, whatever. The world is looking for lovely things to love. That's how we think, that's how we intuitively work. But Chesterton highlights this idea. He says it's the uh, it's exact opposite in the kingdom of God. He said, you are not lovely. You are ugly. You are sinful. Yeah, yeah. My God. Yeah. Uh, 
I see the Facebook posts already. The memes are coming. I see them. But, 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 in in the perspective of eternity, there is nothing lovely about you, and yet God says, if I can if I can pour out my love on you, if I can pour out. You're, you're in your unworthiness. If I can pour out my worthiness, my beauty into your ugliness, I will transform you. Yeah. That's good. And so Chesterton makes that point. He says, in, in the kingdom of God, we love. And through our love, we make things lovely. And, you know, I was, I, I have this reference in the back of my head from, from um, Don Quixote which I don't know if anybody's ever read that book. I honestly haven't. I'll, I'll just fully disclaim. <laughs> the 800, 800 page, like, it's like, you know, argued maybe the first modern uh, literary fiction. But, but in it, if you know the story at all or have seen some depiction of it or play or anything like that, Don Quixote is essentially this, this crazy man. He's gone insane. But through his, through his perspective, he, he sees everything differently. So there's this woman who is this prostitute, and he doesn't see her as this, you know, in the perspective of his time, this filthy, ugly woman. He sees her as this beautiful princess, and through his affection to her, as his words speak over her, she starts by hating him and not liking him because she just, it's, it's highlighting her ugliness through his contrast to her. But over, his, through the story, she starts to be transformed by his affection. And, and that's sort of what we're doing, right? We are, we are speaking things over people, which isn't even, isn't even falsehood. In fact, it's actually the more true reality. Yeah, right? true. That it's, it's, you know, Elijah, or not Elijah, it's, it's Gideon when the angel comes down and says, stand up, mighty warrior, and he's hiding in, you know, in this room because he doesn't think anybody can see him. He's like, he's acting a coward. But God sees what his actions don't. Because this is who you were made to be. And if in a world that is constantly trying to create value for itself and trying to earn value in a, in a community and in a society and in a group, to, to offer that freehand, instead of create, to discover, to offer, it's really strangely disarming, for one. It's like, wait, I don't have to like earn my place here. I don't have to earn my sense of value to this group. That you speak honor over me, and then it starts to wash out what is not even true. Who they are in our eyes, how they act to us is not real. It is how they are not living out what God has made them. Because if what is most true is what God has made them to be, then who they are is not how they always are acting to us. But when we can see that, and see that through God's eyes and speak into those things, I know there was a, I want to say it was Finney, but I'm probably wrong. Um, there's a story where, I'm going to say Finney just for the sake of the example, but, but this woman comes up to Finney and says, says, what do I do? I have a daughter who is an absolute rebel, absolute heathen. Who is it? Is it Finney? Hey, look at me. Cool She comes up to Finney and says, I, this woman is an absolute, like, disaster. What do I do? How do 
do I get her to come to the Lord? And Finney says, well, what would it be like if your daughter follows Jesus? And she says, oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, I just can't, I can't imagine what that would be like. That, that is so other than what she, she is. And Finney says, well, that's your first problem. Start there. Mm-hmm. And the story goes that from there, this woman begins to fight for that picture in her head of her daughter and begins to just from that treat her daughter in such a different way that her daughter is transformed by the affection and the love of, of who she really is in the Lord through her mom's eyes. And she gives her life to the Lord ultimately and becomes who her mom sees. But sometimes we have to be, for lack of a better term, we have to be Don Quixote. We have to have eyes that to the world is just so different, so other, that we can see past what is in front of us. And so one thing is just simply this. Are we speaking honor? Are we speaking life? Are we speaking truth over people? Sometimes, man, it's, you know, I know, I get it. Sometimes it's hard. you got to dig. you got to kind of, like, you know, this guy, man, there's so many things that are just you know, frustrating about you. But, but what is the thing of God in them that, that's in contrast? And are you speaking that over them? The other thing that, that Peter says is love the brotherhood. Um, I, think it's, I think it's interesting as a parent, you know, you're always using parent analogies. You guys are just... You know, you get you get uh, a director with young children, so you get parent analogies. But but it is true that you realize they they say whoever they are. You know, there's always the they that. But they say <laughs> parent psychologists or whatever. But they say that it's it's deeply important for for the the marriage to be healthy for the children to grow up in. And and I see that. Because if, if Lindsay and I um, are being loving toward each other, are being affectionate to each other, the boys experience um, our affection. But if we're, if we're kind of, you know, we're being snippy at each other or not being affectionate towards each other, if, if we're being selfish or, or whatever, even, even if, if we're loving or not loving, we're loving towards our children, they experience our love only as much as we're loving to each other. Like they can't, it's almost like they can't receive it unless that is there. Because love is a relational concept and relationship was always meant to be something that we invite people into, not simply try to create with someone. And so for our community, are we, are we being loving? Are we being loving? And I think we are, and I think you guys are. I'm not, I'm not saying... Don't hear me saying, boy, this is what we've really got to work on. No, I'm, I'm just I'm working from this passage and just trying to think through. But we need to make sure that we are being intentional. And certainly that's partially honor. You know, that honor is, is part of that. Are we speaking life to each other? Are we speaking truth over each other? Are we reaffirming the identity of God into each other's life? Um, but even more, like, are we, do people feel the affection of Christ in our community? Do they sense the affection for one another? You know, we may be different. There may be things that, you know, roommates and get on each other's nerves. Or, or, but do, do we see, do we have eyes to see who we are in Christ? And do we work from that? Do we love each other in that way? Are we, are we caring for each other in that way? Because when people that we are trying to fight for are invited into that, it's from that that the affection of Christ can actually be received. 
But if they walk into a community where that isn't there, it doesn't matter how much we try to express love to Jesus, it's not going to stick. Yeah. Jesus is saying, you know, they'll know you by your love. So, so are we are we being loving to each other in our community? Um, you know, it's partially why we why we even do like uh, a couple years ago, we realized intuitively that when we pioneered, um, we just it was. In some ways, when you're in a pioneering setting, it's a lot easier to be a family, and it's really hard to be an army. If you know, think of the two analogies we use, like army is heavy on responsibility, fights, let's go win the war. Like it's like, hey, we're just kind of together, and it was kind of a smaller group, and and so it's really hard to like, you know, no student has ever seen uh, someone else in campus ministry be a small group leader because all of their small group leaders were staff, and so it was a different context. And like, I don't know what. To, you know, so it was really hard to be an army then, but it was really easy to be a family. Um, but the bigger you get, the larger, it's easier intuitively as an organization, if you dare, um, it becomes easier to be um, an army. Hey, look at us. Let's march together. Let's you know do our systems and our structures and our girls and our you know, rhythms, and let's do that. Um, but you can be really easy to lose the family in the midst of that. And we realized a couple years ago, like, those of you... When we pioneered, we were working from that so easily because we were constantly inviting people into our into our lives, um, but not just our lives individually. We've always highlighted that, but as a group, the pioneering team, you know, me and Duncan and Tyler and Jake and all, and all the rest, and and we were inviting people into that, and that just breathed you know life into our into our foundation. Eric will even tell you, you know, like back then, you didn't even ask like, what are you doing Friday night? You just like calls Janik and said, hey, what are the guys doing? There was a sense of like togetherness because we were such family in that environment. Um, and we began to realize, like, hey, the small group leaders who were succeeding were actually doing that intuitively. Like, as we were kind of getting bigger, and it was harder to kind of do that in mass. Like, hey, let's have a, you know, BYOM at my house with all of you. That doesn't work, right? That just... It just doesn't work. My backyard, well, that'd be kind of fun. I'd, I'd be up for it. But my neighbors may love that as much. Um, we should have done it last night because with the game, you couldn't hear anything. It was like cannons blaring and all stuff. But, but the, the point is this. We realized we, need, we needed to create a stronger resource identities that we've been working from a little bit more strongly systematically, if you dare, is really just trying to be intentional and say, we need to create space where you guys can be together on a regular basis as a group that your people can see. And so in that space, it's intentional. It's relaxed love relationship, but it's intentional. Uh, it's intentional to say, hey, if you guys are together, let that out. Let the love of Christ out. Let your love for one another out people so you can invite people into something. And that, and that desire to be part of that becomes so much more attractive that when you do start creating a stronger small group identity around your own life, you're working from branching that from a picture instead of trying to create a picture from scratch that people just never get. Thirdly, um, fear God. Dick Both uh, is is most of you probably kind of know who he is. Um, he's kind of a friend of our ministry. We are honored to call him that by any means. But he lives in this area. 
He used to be um, one of the chaplains for Capitol Hill in D.C. And he, he, tell, he tells a story. It's kind of this quintessential story that he, he talks about. But when he first uh, went to D.C., he met with the actual, the official uh, chaplain. And the chaplain was talking with him, like, how do I minister? You know, he's kind of thinking, like, I'm a, kind of a country boy uh, from nowhere. Like, what do I have to do with, like, the most powerful people in the world? And, and so they were kind of talking about that. And I'm, I'm going to fly by this, this story for him. If he was here, he would tell it far more eloquently. But the gist of it was the conversation kind of led to, like, well, how do we bring Jesus into these relationships that we have with people from Capitol Hill? Um, the chaplain kind of said, well, we just kind of do life with them. And, and he said, yeah, but you've got an agenda. Uh, Jesus is your agenda. And, and the chaplain said, no, Dick. Jesus isn't my agenda. He's my life. And and the point was, and sometimes I kind of think through that. I'm like, well, at some level, that still means, you know, anytime I bring up Jesus, it's like my agenda of my life. It's like, I want, to, I want him out. But what the chaplain was saying was, it's not a systems agenda. It's, it's a relational desire. It's just the nature of who I am. And I just want to share him. With, with my world. And and that was what he was trying to get at. Is like, this is this is not a system or a checklist or like, okay, I've met, you know, I've hung out with a guy for more than 20 minutes, so I better bring up Jesus somehow. Mm-hmm. But it is the idea that if Jesus is your life, if he is the king of your life, then shouldn't he just come up naturally? Mm-hmm. And, and there's two reasons why, I mean, broadly, there's probably others we could put into this list of some level, but there's two reasons why we don't. And one of them is we're afraid. Oh, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. What, what is he going you know, to think? Probably brought up Jesus. I don't know what to say. They're not into him. You know, and so and we're just kind of filled with this sense of, of anxiety or stress or fear about bringing up Jesus into our relationships. And... Um, There is, there is this sense that we need to come to is, am I more afraid of, of bringing up Jesus and the consequences that may come from, from that? Or am I more afraid of God? And, and when we talk about like, fear of the Lord, we're not going to do a big thing on that. Like, you know, what is that? What does that really look like? People always default to or consequences, fear of consequences. And that's certainly there, you know, there's certainly that in the scripture. You know, this morning I was I was in um, I was watching kids this morning at our Sunday service here at Foothills and uh, one kid bit another kid. And um, and let me tell you I mean, no 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 just so just so random, random kid. It was all it was fine, it was no big deal. But it was just a little thing. But but let me tell you, the fear of Nate came over that little kid. <laughs> so right, and it, and it was fine. No, and it was it was totally fine. And but it was and it was actually healthy, in the sense of that that kid needed to feel the the sense of of pressure. Right, that was actually a healthy thing. Um, and and that is true for us too. That we should have a certain level of like 
fear of the Lord, fear of reper- the repercussions of our lives. But, but that is by far, uh, in study of scripture, the least uh, mature spiritual perspective of the fear of the Lord. Um, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, more where God is constantly pushing us as, as a people group is, yeah, you may be a little kid and you need to kind of work from that fear um, at some level to understand like there's repercussions to life. Ultimately, it's a relational fear because if I act uh, unloving to my wife, I'm in fear of, of ruining or hurting or, or affecting that relationship. And that's, a far, that's far more the perspective we're working from. Do I have, am I more afraid of, of hurting Jesus? You know, if I, if I didn't talk about my wife to somebody, right, like I, think of an awkward example, but if I'm in a room full of girls and we're talking and I don't ever bring up my wife, that is, that is like, why, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. And it's actually dishonoring, it's hurtful to her that I wouldn't try to like, you know, you know, it's not because, you know, I'm flirting with some pretty girl that's like, you know, what, why would I do that? Yeah. In the same way, why don't we bring up Jesus? Because I'm afraid of of how they, I, I have the fear of man yeah. instead of the fear of the Lord. I'm more afraid of hurting their feelings or their perception than Jesus' sense of, of being loved in that moment. And I get, the reaction is immediately like, well, Nate, I, I get that, but I, I don't want to do it badly. Like, how do we do it well um, in wisdom? And, and I totally get that. And in fact, we're going to kind of break it out here in just a second. To kind of talk through, like, how do we do that well? The, the only thing I would say is suck until you don't. So yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just do it, right? <laughs> there's, there's sort of this concept. I love this concept. But it, it's, it works from this idea. You have to start with conscious incompetence, and then you and you go from there to unconscious competence, right? I, I love this concept. I I am a minister. I'm an ordained uh, minister of the gospel. So so I you know I'm not. I'm not incompetent at speaking. I hope you guys at least endure my my talking at times. And and you know, but I don't really think about what I'm saying so much as the concepts of what I'm saying. If you know what I mean, I'm not thinking about English. I'm not thinking about like the words. How do I say the? Like it's just coming out as I'm thinking through this deeper things inside of me that I'm wrestling with. But I went to Russia for a year and immediately hit a wall. I got off the airplane and instantly realized, like, I don't think about my competency in English. But the moment I went to Russia, I had this conscious awareness of my incompetency <laughs> at Russian. And it has remained with me since then. I, Lindsay's incredible language. She, she could easily, like, pick up language. She's really good at it. I'm kind of Gomer Pyle when it comes to, like, you know, trying to learn another language. It was just hard. And, and even English over there, because we were able to do ministry in English, um, because Russia students were learning or had learned or you know, they wanted to practice their English. But even in that, I did have to simplify uh, my, my vocabulary, um, 
No physics analogies ever, you know, whatever. So, I know! It was a, it was a hard year. So, but I suddenly was very conscious a lot of my inaptitude in that moment. But you start there. Because a little kid who's trying to learn the language is working from that. And they start growing. Because they go from that, it's out of them. They have this longing to express themselves. It's, it's, it's who they are. It's, intu- it's not... It's not an agenda, whatever, like, it's, I want to, you know, any little, you know, two-year-olds that you've ever met, like, there's these moments, you can just see it in them, when they have no ability to communicate what they really want, but they're, like, trying, and they're longing to be able to communicate more. And so, for us, when we come together, are we a community who are longing to express the real Christ in our world? And are we, are we, you know, certainly learning, like, Wisdom, and, and we're going to kind of talk through just that. We're going to break up just here for just a little while. I just want you guys to talk. I want you to ask kind of two questions. One, how do you do what Peter says here? And I, I'm kind of skipping the last one. It has more to do with authority of, of leaders. You know, honor the king. Honor me! No. Um, no, just, just, but... But in Peter here, how do we, in two, lens, in two areas, how do we uh, honor the people in our life? How do we love our community and invite people into that? And how do we have the fear of the Lord that brings out his, his God, his truth, his love in us? In a, in a wise way. But in one, when... when we are kind of alone, one-on-one, like in the sense of like, I can't bring my whole resource group to this guy's dorm because I'm trying to hang out with him. You know, like, it just doesn't work. Like, how, how, do I, how do I bring up Jesus there? To, and I want your kind of target audience to be kind of like the, the agnostic, whatever. Like the guy that's like, hey, he's okay with Jesus, right? Like you've been pursuing him. He's okay with Jesus, but he's not interested. He doesn't have a desire for Jesus. Like how do you love Jesus to them? Like, how do you do that, like, practically? Um, and, and two, how do you do that when you guys are together? Like, how do, how do you love Jesus in your community? Because our goal isn't to have, like, Friday nights or, you know, Thursday evenings after outposts to just always be, like, some kind of Bible study or some kind of theology discussion or whatever. But, but we are saying, let's let that light out. Because the only other reason why we wouldn't be talking about Jesus is because we just don't have affection for him. And what are the things that we're affectionate for, or the things that we talk about? And so are we filling our mind with the love of the Lord? Do we have a thought? Are we reading? Are we thinking about the Lord? Are we talking about him? Because that refines us. Our affection grows as we share with our community. And so how do we as a community do that well that invites people into that? And let's and lets it yeah be natural and all those things whatever but like but we're pushing the kingdom of God into their world so things like like talking about Jesus in front of them or asking them you know just hey I was reading about this idea in the Old Testament about how Israel saw God is so good like you think God is good what are your thoughts on that from your life like just want you to get around your table talk to hey in the context of like kind of a one on one environment versus a group environment where you're pursuing them versus inviting them to us.
like how in those two arenas, how do we honor? How do we have the fear of the Lord that lets it out? And how do we love each other in the, in the midst? Make sense? All right, so go ahead and just have a discussion for the next little while. Um, and I'll get us back together, but we'll go into some announcements at the end here tonight. Yeah, I will. Um, I think we're doing Craig first, and then I can have you second. That works. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be after this, so I'll have Craig go up first. He's kind of ready for that. And then I'll have you guys come up.
to the forest, you know, and raise your life to the that you came to the this week, and you're not going to be left. He says, I guess I'll probably see you every day. I know that's a part of the voice.
how like how much we can talk about the word as if you like are friends and are kind of love of our life, then that gets them thinking. I mean, I'll I'll never forget when my mom did would do that with me other her roommates, you know, like talking about the word. So like five more minutes guys I gotta just do like maybe five more so 
we'll wrap up there. Texas Maxim is like one of those like cheesy Southern Maxims, but it's it's 
If you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is when I got hit. <laughs> the one that yelps is the one that got hit. So it's like sometimes you throw things out there, like sometimes people are like, ah, oh, like oh, well. <laughs> that's you. That's, that's okay, it's a good for like when we need to go read the Bible. Yeah. How snippy are we to get Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I hear that. Alright, everybody, let's start wrapping up. I'll give you like 30 seconds to wrap up your thought there and we'll. Yeah, I have a great suggestion for that Suits of them. Uh, you got your hand up, so what do you got? Yeah, Corey. <laughs> 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 uh, Corey's got something to get up here. Like in a, in a one-on-one setting. In a one-on-one setting, yeah, like in that smaller setting where you're like in their dorm Wednesday afternoon just playing video games. Like, how do you love Jesus in that space? Anybody? Throw the Xbox out the water. Yeah! Yeah. 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 Any, anybody else? Any other thoughts? Good. Yeah. Um, Kel mentioned like uh, honoring like the things of God that you see in them, like kindness. Mm-hmm. Totally. Absolutely. It's good. Yeah. We talked about being in love with God first. Mm-hmm. Just the when you guys like as we're trying to like help lead you guys and and for most all of you like like I know leadership is like a whole nother level of like like discipleship and responsibility that you've you've never had before but I'll, I'll tell you how do I say this without getting a loud humble nade out of this but but I, I just want you to say, I just want you to know like you will you will get get better at it, it makes it sound like it's like not your heart, but you know what I mean? Like, your language will get stronger. Your your capacities will get better. Like, for me, most of the time, and it is a different context. I do get, like, the context of me walking into a room with somebody, there's kind of go-to easy starting conversations, but, like, it, it really is easy. It, if you'll come to this place where you don't even have to think about it. You just find, 
Like, there's like five ways I could bring up Jesus in this conversation right now. Like, you, you just kind of get there. And, and when you want to, you're going to get there. So I want you to realize, like, this isn't like, oh, this is like an arduous thing that I have to figure out. Like, you get to this place where, dude, this is a joy. Like, it's so much fun. Like, I've even had times this, you know, this last month. And again, I do get my context is different as the director coming in, kind of that thing. People have those conversations with me. But, like, like I think camping with, like, Graham's resource group, there were times, like, we were trying to, like, push the conversation off to other things because we didn't want them to feel like they had to talk about the Lord if they were going to be with us. Like, hey, we could also talk about sports and, you know, what girls you like and those kind of things. Like, it was like, you know, because it was, it was like we were, we were, and it wasn't just me, like, the guys were just, like, we were going there, and it was just so natural, so easy. Like, so you will get there. But, but definitely being intentional to, like, like grow there and let that thought life out and suck until you don't and you know whatever that's okay um because because jesus is honored by that what about in the community setting where it's more like the invitation inviting into our world like what are things you guys know um eric Dunreal had a confident piece was talking to me about how like sometimes people will come up and be like oh you know like jesse's really good at frisbee and like that's cool but we should look for the things that actually matter mm. in eternity um, when we're honoring people. Yeah. Like, it's good. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're honoring. I, I have a friend who does athletic ministry on universities, and he says I can never honor them for their athletics. Yeah. It, it just it hurts what I'm trying to do with yeah. them. So I've got I got to find the thing of God in them, not the thing of yeah. the world. That they're that they're living in. So, yeah. Other thoughts? Yeah. I thought I saw somebody else stand up. Yeah. Uh, we kind of discussed what you were saying about the fear of man versus the fear of God, and um, kind of talked about a mentality of what's more important: your relationship with them or planting that seed that could lead to eternal salvation. Yeah. Like if they end up leaving, okay, but you at least planted that seed, and you could see them in heaven. I think Glenn Davis Stan did his internship with Glenn at Stanford but one of his little maxims that we definitely have stolen is, is you got to care more about their future than their friendship yeah. if you do then their friendship will likely be stronger as a result but even if it's not that's that's the kingdom perspective God God's fighting for us even if it means that some of us turn away because we don't want it you know, another thing that we did, I think I heard you guys have been talking about it, but like, you know, certainly just talking about the Lord in front of you, with each other, this is why this is so critical. Like, there's so many times that like, talking about the Lord with people who love Jesus and just letting the other ones sit there and listen is sometimes way easier to love Jesus that way. Um, and there's certainly, you know, certainly there's more than, more ways of, of honoring people and loving people than just say, talking about Jesus. That needs to be part of it. We need to bring him up and, and love him and honor him because people fall in love with what... If, they fall, if people fall in love with you, they will fall in love with what you love. And so do they know how much you love him? But, but even beyond that, like just being a good friend and being you know, sacrificial and honoring and loving and caring towards those people... You know, I, I think, you know, using the analogy of Chris that I mentioned at the beginning, Chris Hewitt, his 
he was transformed not from anything that I ever said up front or anything that Jane Kevin said in the weekly meeting, but the desire was created through the experience of the community and that experience of being honored and being loved um, and the love of the community. And so um, the spoken honor of God needs to be part of it, but just that affection towards one another as we are serving each other, as we are honoring the Lord in our midst, as we are looking for those things of God in their lives to lift up and elevate. Eventually, hunger is created out of that experience and that hunger of of being pursued as God pursued us and the truth of the gospel being communicated in a context that is intriguing to them and is open to the power of God in their life. So, um, and the Lord, and the Lord steps into those things. When we, when we posture ourselves and put ourselves in that place, um, you know, we've, we've even now got people that just are, are experiencing the Holy Spirit and are, are experiencing, you know, I think a couple, a couple of dance guys, I think just walked up to him and said, all right, we want to figure out this Jesus relationship thing. I don't know the language, but just one, I don't think had any church history at all. And as I understand the story. Yeah. We had those kind of things. Uh, yeah. I just had another thing that popped into my head. So yeah. I think something that also like shares Jesus without like just talking about the Lord is something that Hannah does a lot. Like just like her servant like mindedness, like, hey, what should we do? We could go like heart attack somebody, like give like write notes or like just always having like your Guys idea take of notes. fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, your idea of fun being like, oh, let's go like make coffee and then go give it to somebody else or do mm. something like that. Like yeah having that, and then also, like, Jesse and I, like, before we do homework in the library, we usually, like, open up and read for, like, ten minutes, and we're like, seek first the kingdom, and then we do homework. And it's not even, like, them having to, like, talk about it, it's just, like, yeah. us doing it. So I yeah. Think, yeah, those are some... It's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, good. Okay, guys, that was good stuff. So, hopefully that at least stirred some conversation. Um... And if you think you've got it figured out, just like got locked in, great. Come tell me afterwards because I'm still journeying on that one. But, but as we are learning together as a community, we want we're aspiring to be a community who not just has people in our lives, but as a community that is creating a hunger where there is none and a value in Christ that is not. We don't have to create value in Christ. He already is valuable. We just have to reveal it. So how do we help reveal that to our world? Okay, um, we're going to do some announcements here. So uh, first one is uh, we've got a fundraising brunch coming up. I'm going to have Craig come up and share a little bit about that. You guys...
And they could come for either. We do this. We do this once a year. We try to do it at homecoming. One because we found that your parents just care what you're a part of, and you guys are obviously well invested in this community. And so they just want to know, like, hey, what's going on, and what is this group, and and more about it. Or just they know you're part of this group, but they would like they're interested in like how things are going, what this is like for us. Uh, so we try to do. Like testimonies and just uh, highlights the ministry and where we're at. Um, so, so they can just get to know us a little bit. Um, the other thing is we do do fundraising with it. Um, people don't have to give, but we work on a pretty shoestring budget here uh, for a, a campus ministry our size. I think we're roughly around like seven thousand uh, dollars a year is what our operating budget is. Um, which, if you know, like churches or, or anything comparable, like it's pretty crazy we can do that. But with the university and different ways we work. But um, but a lot of that comes from you guys, and honestly, we're we're doing okay financially. I I, I always mean to do the books with you guys sometime here. Um, it's just so many things we're trying to go over, and I just feel like I would lose you. But but anybody would ever like to see the books is certainly open to that. The books. Um, but but we need you guys to support. But this is a way, like, hey, if you like, yeah, I don't have, I don't give a lot, you know. And I know a lot of you guys are giving to us as part of this. But if you don't have a lot, this is one way that you can just help support the ministry. Is hey, maybe mom and dad can uh, throw some money uh, our way. That that helps too. 
So, um, but that is coming up quickly, so please do write down your address on your table before we're done here tonight, if, if you think that would be something you can invite them to. They don't have to come if you think they'd be interested in giving, but aren't able to come, or not coming to homecoming, that's okay too. We'd like to just invite them, and they can get the online information. Okay, uh, second, we have uh, some new stuff happening with college transition. How many of you guys are seniors by now? Like, you probably graduated in 12 months. We love that, but um, we are we don't have time to go into all of this right now, but there is some exciting stuff happening just in our state here in Colorado with, with the vision of saying, let's stay friends, let's stay together. When you graduate, let's do this, but do this in the marketplace. And and our heart is, as much as you guys want that, and we can, to help resource you and transition you well um, into communities where ultimately, I, I love the idea of someday I'm gonna be calling any one of you in like five years and saying, I don't know this person, but this is your spiritual great-grandkid. They just are about to graduate and they're coming down the street from where you live. Can you get a hold of them and bring them into a church community that will, that will value them? So, Dylan and Kaylee have been really taking point here this year with, with all of this. And so I'm going to let them share for a few minutes what's going on there. Touching it. 
finished it's not going to be the same as what you were experiencing here so what TED does is help you learn how you disciple people in this different context um, and also help you find community in the church um, where, wherever you land and hopefully wherever you land is with people that you need to hear instead of starting from scratch so um, we're here for you guys um, we're excited like I said whether you're a senior junior sophomore think about this now um, and we're excited to um, change the world through discipleship If you're talking, doesn't matter if you're talking to the church player down the street or world missions or what, like the greatest need in Christianity today, I think is pretty easily argued to be disciple makers. And so you guys have that. College is such a great time to learn that lesson, but we're wanting to help try to equip you and how to transition what you've learned into the next phase. Okay, so here on the campus, while you're here, some of our very practical rhythms is includes things like some on-campus outreach uh, for those who are just like, man, we're trying to find people or maybe even fighting for them. And so Ian and Hannah are helping us yeah. this year with kind of the past welcome week, past life, the chaos of door movements and all that stuff. Like how do we uh, do some things that are of value out to you guys as you guys are continuing to find new people and fight for those people either classrooms or in the dorms or wherever. So, um, Ian, Hannah, who who wants to take points? But did you guys want to kind of highlight? Elisa is, is the point man. But uh, just kind of share a little bit where we're going. Yeah. So, we want... Oh, you have a question? I have a question for you, yes. How many of you um, have so many people coming to know the Lord, so many people in a small group, and it's overflowing, like, to a crazy degree? <laughs> and the rest of you need to be paying attention to my wife. So we wanted to utilize and help you guys. We have heard from feedback from Haley's just trial and error last year. It was successful, but we want to make it a little bit more tangible for all of you. To, to meet your future small group members. <coughs> and can I say future team members here? That's yeah. So we are going to do it non-traditional. We're not tabling. We are going and playing Sam Volleyball this Tuesday at 5 o'clock um, because we see value in having fun and being together because it's yeah. team of God guys, not guys. And girls, it's together. Yeah. 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 You didn't pass that by me before you said that. Nate, read your Bible.
just how to and setting goals a little bit, just to make you feel like you succeeded. That's the big thing, right? We don't want you to leave feeling like you don't know how to do something. We want to uplift you and empower you in that way. Um, so come at 5 o'clock. We will be starting the training promptly. Um, and then we're going to have fun. Are you going to say Yeah! small group members if you want, uh, but just know that your focus isn't just to be with them. Like, your focus is an hour. It's an hour focus. Yeah. So, yeah. Woo! Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday at 5. We are also, to make it practical, um, that we're alternating between Tuesdays and Saturdays. And so, Saturdays, we don't know the exact time yet. But so, this week will be Tuesday. Next week, so not like this Saturday, but the week after, will be Saturday. Um, and we'll let you guys know just on the Facebook page and through the Professor Office. Yeah. Next Saturday is also. Yeah, well, we're not doing that, so we will I think we said we were going to do a Tuesday, Saturday this week, okay. and then next week, not one. Yeah. Well, then we but, are doing Saturday, but we can do whatever we want. Keep eyes on the leadership page. We'll keep you informed. Yeah, we Where do we meet at Tuesday at 5 yeah, if you want to go? So you guys know uh, by the same volleyball course, is that little gazebo-ish area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Outside yeah. the rack. Yeah. yeah, so that's where we're going to be doing the little training, and then we will... Thanks, Anna. Yeah. All right, guys, I know you guys are doing great tonight. I know we're like wrapping up on our time. Just a couple quick things uh, coming up also that I want to just highlight. One, False Salt is coming. Yeah. Uh, False Salt is coming, so. Get your people there. This talk about love and laughter. Talk about just like communicating truth um, and setting the tone for those people that you are pursuing and fighting for. This is a great context. We'll have baptisms. We'll have people get saved. We'll have just power of example and and just have a great time with each other and invite people into that. So remember that that's coming up in a few weeks. Um, get people registered. Plant, get ready to get them there. Um, almost everybody should have been to that location in the last couple of years with all the stuff we've done there. But Utah, yes, 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 yeah. So I was going to actually ask you here in a second, uh, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah, large large group. Uh, we're just kind of shotgunning a lot of stuff here. I know you guys, but um, resource groups and and uh, keep you know your eyes on the calendar and such. This is the time of year where we have like lots of announcements and then by the end of the year we kind of, you know, things start to fiddle off by the end. But we just want to make sure you're aware of everything that's coming down the pike. Um, of course, this this week, just a real practical thing for this week, we do have a large group in the LSC. So just a reminder that we are um, transitioning out of outdoor activities and now inside for the rest of the year. And so, especially when there's transitions, um, this is always true, but especially in transitions, uh, bring them or they won't come. Like, you've got to, like, is, and this is honestly a good excuse. Even if you've got guys like come a few times, right? If they respond to your invitations and your pursuits, pursue them more, right? So don't be like, oh, you've come, so just, you know, tell them. No, go get dinner with them and bring them. Um, but we will be at at uh, LSC 386 
3.86 this week. It's basically right next to 3.82 where we were at last year. Um, and come early, because we may be cramming that room out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be fun. We're gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be community. We're gonna get them real close. So, um, that there last last one, and then we are done for the night, guys. Um, but yeah, Casso, you want to do a real quick missions update? Yeah. Um, mi- Missions week is November 7th. Um, Please plan to be there. Bring your people. There'll probably be something on a Wednesday night before that, too, that's a little missions oriented. Um, If you're an intern, raise your hand real quick. You've introduced these people already, but. They're going to find out what trip they're leading here real soon. If they suddenly want to get coffee with you after October 3rd, <laughs> take them up on it. Even if you're not planning to go on a trip, honor them, and they'll probably honor you. So that's all I got. Yeah. We, need two, we need two small group leaders for each trip if we're going to do it. By December 1st, we pull the plug on those trips. On those trips. And so that's, that's kind of how we assess. If we, don't, if we don't have buy-in from this room for a trip, it means we're going to have a hard time getting buy-in to the community. I, I talk about this at Leadership Retreat. Applications aren't a first-come, first-served process. There may be a delay on applications being released until Missions Week. Um, so when they are released, fill them out and turn them in. But that, because you got it in the next day, doesn't necessarily guarantee you a spot on that trip. Um, just as the size of Missions grows, that doesn't really, that starts to not work. So, um, cool. Yeah. Good. Okay, guys, so, you guys feel good? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, you guys guys make this worth it. I'll tell you, as as people who do this for our career and have sacrificed our own things in our lives to be here, we always have to ask the question, why am I here? And it's seeing you guys in this room with the heart to reach your campus that, for me, and I know for a lot of us, uh, is why. It's the, it's the answer that we come back to on top of the Lord's just guidance in our lives. So thank you for being so leadable. Thank you for all you guys have done to fight for your friends. And just know that we're here for you. We're here for you. So anything and everything that we can do, let us know. So we love you. Have a great night. Woo!